Nigeria, West Africa, bordering Chad, Cameroon, and Benin, on the Gulf of Guinea. Largest city, Lagos. Capital city, Abuja. Five major languages. 500 others. You'll find more people here than in any other country in Africa. And a film industry that makes more movies than Hollywood. In 1996 at the Olympics, their soccer team took the gold in football. And Nigeria lead by a goal to nil. Nigeria is known for lush vegetation. Herds of buffalo. Leopards and monkeys. Its highest point, Mount Chapulwadi. And beautiful spots like Tafawabalewa Square, Mambila Plateau, and the warm springs of Ikogozi. Nigeria is diverse, active, and beautiful in so many ways. But life here can be hard. With a life expectancy of 55, insufficient access to medical care, food, and other basic resources, the need is great, and the poverty faced is devastating. And that's why I wanted to feature the Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, based in Kano, in rural northern Nigeria. Because the team here, led by their founder and CEO, Samira Farouk, are making a remarkable difference. Providing healthcare, education, clean water, agricultural insight, mentoring, and so many other vital services to the precious people of Nigeria. Join me now as we get to know a wonderful lady and leader, Samira Farouk, who decided long ago to give her own pain a purpose, to take the things that she's been through, all the good and the bad, and to put it all to use, serving others. This is where adventure meets purpose, where we get to know those who live life beyond status quo. My name is Adam Asher, and this is the Edge of Adventure podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Edge of Adventure. My name is Adam Asher. Great to have you with us, and great today to travel to Nigeria, to the city of Kano, to meet Samira Farouk. Samira, thank you so much for being on the program. 
Thank you, Adam. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you. Samira, you're the founder and the CEO at Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, working there not only in Kano, but also in a few other rural areas in particular in Nigeria. Tell us briefly, Serendipity Healthcare is serving who and how are you serving them? First of all, let me start at how Serendipity was birthed. I'm the founder CEO of um, Serendipity Healthcare Foundation. We are based in Kano, which is the northern part of Nigeria. And um, my husband and I, we started the organization out of my lead father. He had uh, diabetes and we could afford healthcare services, but it wasn't enough because he went to a diabetic coma. Now, all through the time, I was now thinking and hopefully that he would survive, but he never came out of it. And that got me thinking, I was now like, if I could access basic healthcare and it wasn't enough, it wasn't adequate, what about those people in the rural communities? In the rural part of Nigeria, um, especially in Kano where we're based, we have a lot of issues in terms of um, access to basic healthcare services, access to water, access to primary healthcare centers, access to educational facilities. So it came up as a way of trying to serve our rural communities. It's a passion. It's something that I would like to see that everybody have access to. So, and that's how Serendipity was born. In the northern part of Nigeria, most of the most vulnerable in our communities are the women and children. And so these are the groups, target groups that do not have access to these basic healthcare facilities, that's one. And they're not included in any policy making, in any decision making in terms of having this access. And so that's why we at Serendipity, we decided two things, to focus on rural communities because they are the least developed and as well as our target groups are the women and children. This is The Edge of Adventure, and we are talking today with Samira Farouk. She's the founder and CEO at Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, and she is joining us today on the line for the program from Kano, Nigeria. As mentioned, she's the founder and CEO of this organization. First of all, Samira, let me just say how sorry I am to hear the story about your father, and I'm sorry for that loss. And I also know that this loss and this pain, I'm sure you... And your husband, you guys determined to turn the pain into something positive and to turn the loss into gain for other people. There's so much to ask you, and we're going to get into all this about the organization, but what is that like to take the pain or the loss that you feel and to turn it into something positive? It actually, it pushes me every day. I tell you, it's not been easy. My father died in 2003, and every single day, every single moment, I always think about him. And so that's one of the driving forces in making me do what I do every day. Every moment, every opportunity, every chance I get to ensure that those people that do not have a voice, like I did, because I sought for uh, health services, 
I want to make sure that they have some form of voice. And I believe that I can help them in doing that in my own little way. So it's my, the death of my father, it's more or less like a driving force for me. And that's what keeps me going every day. Well, Samira, I'm sure he's very proud of you even today for all your hard work. And I know it's a lot. I know you guys do so many different things and you give of yourselves to help other people. But as it relates to healthcare, what are the greatest needs that you see today among the people that you serve there in Nigeria? I wish you were here. You can come over to Nigeria and see how it is. We're really, really in dire need in terms of healthcare, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of everything that you can think of in terms of what is required for a basic human being to survive. Now, most of our communities here, and I'm not talking about only rural communities, I'm also talking about urban communities and peri-urban more or less like everybody is uh, striving to survive. Nobody is living anymore. And so we looked at it and I looked at it and I felt that you can't say this is one need because in terms of healthcare, there are cross-cutting issues. You can say, okay, we're going to put enough primary healthcare services and then issues of, do they have enough equipment? Do they have enough medications? Do they have enough personnel that would look at uh, maybe a, a woman that is about to deliver, which is uh, more or less like saving lives at birth for her and as well as the child? You would look at in terms of water. Water is life because water is interconnected to all of these things we're talking about. We're looking at the environment as well. How are we living as human beings in our society? to ensure our environment is good, is clean. It's not a vector for malaria, for diseases. We look at, okay, what is the behavior of our people? Are they trying to be clean? Are they trying as much as possible to be able to ensure that they have a good life? So we are trying as much as possible to inculcate all of this into our programs, into our project, that people not only try to live to survive, but actually make a living out of their lives. And so that's what we do. Samira Farouk is my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure. And she's telling us about the organization that she founded called the Serendipity Healthcare Foundation. As I listen to you talk, I can tell Samira that so much of your work there with the people is to lead and to educate and to help give them a new start in so many ways. And one of the ways that I've noticed as I've gotten to know your organization is that you focus on solutions that are what you call locally appropriate. What does it mean when you need a solution or you're looking for a solution that is locally appropriate? In terms of trying to create impact, most uh, people feel that we, if you are at the point of making decisions, most people feel that, okay, you go into a community and then you now decide this is what the community needs. But for us in Serendipity, we don't do that. What we do is like, 
more or less like community-led. We go into the community, we speak with the people, we ask them, we get to understand how they work. We get to understand how they think, ensure that whatever program or project we're designing is with together with the people. They are our major stakeholders because they would decide that, okay, in our community, we don't have access to water. We don't have um, access to a primary healthcare center that is close by for our pregnant women to attend antenatal care. We don't have um, any school that is even close by for our children to go to school. So we look at these three issues that the community themselves bring up. And then it's with this feedback that we get, we now have a second meeting with them. These are the issues that are on ground. What do you think is most important to you? What would you like to see that, okay, we want our children to develop. Our basic need right now is a school. And so the community are involved right from the beginning of the process. So most of our programs are community-led. We ensure that the community is involved in it pre-program, during the program, and even after. And that has what has been successful for us all these years. Um, we've been able to bring in our community members, uh, which involves a whole uh, wide range of stakeholders whereby they are involved, they understand, and they accept that this is the right project, the right program for them, and they are willing to continue with this project after the project closure. That's if we're providing access to water or we're doing malaria intervention or we're providing commodities, medications to a primary healthcare center, or we're building a school, or we're putting furniture and all of that. So by the time we're done, the stakeholders, the committee that have gathered and formed and have agreed that, okay, we're going to take care of this project after you have gone, so that it is a continuous process. And that has what has built up to a change in the communities that we've worked with. So I would say in a nutshell that our community, our projects are community-led. Thanks everybody for joining us. If you are watching the video version, you're able to enjoy some of the photos that we're sharing. And if you're listening on the audio version, thank you so much for listening, for being a part of this family, for being a part of this movement as we get to know these wonderful international humanitarian organizations serving other people, these organizations themselves, but also the people and the, the stories behind the organization. Like we've learned today a little bit about Samira and her story and how she's turned heartbreak and pain into something very positive for her nation. Samira, let's talk a little bit about the one of the key areas of focus for serendipity, which is gender and discrimination and these types of things. Life for women in Nigeria. Paint a picture for us so we help so we understand a little bit more about why this is such an important need to address. Well, focused on women and children. And I'm going to say this, Adam, I believe the saying that goes, 
hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And you know, the gender, the women are the ones in charge of taking care of the children in their formative years, uh, teaching them manners, characteristics, and all of that. And so we believe that if you want to change a nation, a small community, even a family, the focus should be on the woman. Now, in Northern Nigeria, and I must say, it's not only in Northern Nigeria, in the whole of Nigeria, and I've been able to have gone to East Africa as well, the similarities are almost the same. Women are usually relegated to the background in terms of policies, things that could affect their lives, in terms of um, access to land, if they want to be farmers, in terms of access to healthcare, in terms of access to education, in terms of uh, equality when even they're employed, in terms of even politics. And so we found that, that if we want to make a change, if we want to make a difference in our communities, especially, let me bring it back home to Nigeria. If we want to make a difference in Nigeria, especially in the Northern parts where we are, we need women. And part of what we have started doing in our programming is to ensure that women form the largest percentage of the stakeholders that are going to be in charge of the programs after we have done the project handover. And we found that, that when it comes to issues of even, let me use one of our programs, water and sanitation. When it comes to citing the hand pumps, in the programs we've started doing recently, this was uh, before COVID in 2018, we say integrating the women, we say making wash a woman's business. What this means is that the women in that community, and usually we've been so lucky, we have um, their women groups. And so the head of the women association is being asked and we inform her that this is what we want to do. This is what the larger group has decided that this is the program that we need to run in their community and which is water and sanitation. Where do you think is the best location to site this water access? And so we get a lot of feedback from these women because they're looking at this community center where it's not too far, it's not a far distance from their houses. They're looking at um, the length of time, the length of period that it takes for them to access water before they can go and do other chores, like maybe go to the farm, to go and farm, or maybe do their menial jobs at home, or if they're entrepreneurial women, they'll be able to make their uh, hand-woven bags and all of that. For those programs that we started, we found out that we have been successful in terms of that because the women were able to replicate, even in communities that we haven't gone into yet, they're able to replicate that, oh, this is what serendipity came and do. This is what they taught us. This is how we're doing it now. And so this has even replicated to other communities that we haven't even gone into to do interventions. And so we found that that is more or less like our lucky key to be able to get success in terms of our programming, because they'll be able to not only influence their immediate family, but also extended family. And so that's why our main concern 
are the women because they would be able to do more in terms of making our programs more successful. And Samira, as you work through this and as you work with the women, what's your message to the men? <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. That issue came up in one of our programs in um, 2017 because of the culture and the religion here in Nigeria. When we got into the community, we wanted to train the women. This was even before we started including the women into our programming as the major stakeholders. So we wanted to train the women on uh, good hygiene practices, on how to purify their water in the events that uh, they use uh, stream, they fetch water from the stream or from the pond. We wanted to teach them the SODIS method, uh, that's on uh, using, putting water in bottles and putting it on the sun so that the solar, you know, will make the water uh, clean and white to purify the water. We did the, the first day and uh, the second day, the women didn't show up. And so we now asked the district head we call it Meungwa in Kano in the north. And we asked him, where are the women? What's happening? Why didn't they come up for the, for the training for the second day? And he was now like, why would we train only the women? Why didn't we train the men? And they don't have a problem with the wives, with their wives learning these new skills on how to take care of themselves better and how to be good in the community and all of that. But at least, at least they should be trained as well. And so we understood that that is still a determining factor in terms of we inculcating our women into the programs. So after that, what we usually do, we always get an understanding, an agreement from all the men in the community, which is really signed off by the district head, by the Megungwa and the religious leader. So they are all in the know, so they understand they are now aware that, okay, we are going to allow our women to do this. And so that's how we include the men in our programming. This is The Edge of Adventure, and I'm Adam Asher. We will return to my conversation with Samira Farouk of Serendipity Healthcare Foundation in Kano, Nigeria, in just a moment. But I wanted to take a minute to welcome our many new listeners from around the world, from Europe and the Americas, from Asia and Australia and Africa and the Middle East. Thank you all for joining us for this adventure, where we travel far from home, off the beaten path, to meet and to get to know a few of the world's most unsung heroes those who serve others under difficult, often dangerous, circumstances. Those who have chosen to live life for something bigger than themselves. This podcast, this journey we're on, is an important one. Because at this time in our history, we desperately need to be reminded that there's hope, that there's more, that there are things that matter, and that what we do matters. We're on the edge of adventure. We're pushing beyond status quo in pursuit of what really matters. And we're just getting started. I'm glad you're with us. We've got the podcast, a documentary film soon to be released, 
a brand new video docu-series in the works, and so much more. Please get to know us at theedgeofadventure.com. You can even sign up for our Edge email updates. Again, that's at theedgeofadventure.com. Another great way to meet and interact with amazing humanitarian organizations, amazing people who care genuinely for others, is to join us in the new mobile app called Rugged Compass. You'll find Rugged Compass in app stores, or you can learn more about this remarkable new social network at ruggedcompass.com. That's ruggedcompass.com. We'll see you there. Now, though, let's get back to Nigeria and my conversation with Samira Farouk as we learn a bit more about her story, about the work she does at Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, and about her heart for those who need a hand up on this edition of the Edge of Adventure podcast. Samira Farouk is my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure, and we're talking about their work in Nigeria. And she is the founder and CEO of Serendipity Healthcare Foundation. And we've uh, learned a little bit about the work and learning a little bit about her and some of the strategy and the approach that they take as they lead the people and help to teach the people and provide these things that are needed, as she has said, for just basic human existence. When I listen to you talk, Samira, I hear the love that you have for the people that you're helping. Where did that love come from? Why do you love them this much? I was born and brought up in Kano, but I'm originally from the middle belt of Nigeria, which is from Niger State. I grew up in Kano and the states, the environment I grew up in has given so much to me. I had a beautiful childhood. I went to a missionary school. I had friends from all over the country. I went to a, a unity school, Federal Government College, Kano, and I still keep those relationships today. So I feel that um, growing up, I had a very, very lovely childhood. And it all happened because I was in Kano and because I was in, I am in the North. And um, I feel that I need to give back all of the good things I enjoyed when I was growing up. I need to give back. I'm, I'm trying very hard to bring back what happened when I was growing up. You know, it makes me sad every day with news we hear over the radio, TV and everything. And I ask myself every day, what has gone wrong? Where did we go wrong? How can I and all of us change this? And so that's an additional passion for me. I'm trying as much as possible to change all the bad things that's been happening in my own little way to ensure that people are living peacefully. That has grown, has made my love grow and grows every day. I try as much as possible to go out of my way to help people, to ensure that, yes, that um, all the things I enjoyed, at least I could bring some of it back. So that's why. Samira Farouk and her beautiful words 
She's from Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, Kano, Nigeria. She's the founder and CEO. And of course, as you've been listening, you've heard a little bit about her story and where this all started for her. And it's a beautiful story. And what she's doing now there serving in Kano and surrounding areas is a beautiful thing as well. Samira, we've talked about healthcare, and that's, of course, got a variety of, of different things. I've heard you talk about malaria and the, the delivery of babies and those sorts of things. I'm sure there's much more to that. We've talked about the gender focus and, and the need to help raise up and get the participation of the women and to, and to bring them fully into the community and into the process. And we've also talked about water and hygiene. Is there an area that we haven't covered yet? Aside from all what you've said, we also do trainings. We also run workshops for our schools because that's another avenue at which we can get the school, the school children to start behaving in a hygiene-friendly manner, to always wash their hands uh, before and eating uh, during lunch break and also after using the toilets. What we do, aside from that, we also do those workshops for our schools in order to make them wash friendly. Because of the pandemic that has uh, come in, COVID-19, so this is more or less like an advantage because we've been doing these uh, workshops before, prior to COVID, teaching children on how to be um, hygiene conscious, good hand washing practices and all of that. So education in terms of hygiene practices, in terms of what to do for the women as well, what to do when the doctor is not around, the signs and symptoms of uh, basic ailments and at which to move to the primary healthcare centers. The, in this particular instance, I'm talking about traditional bed attendants, where we have taught them that because they don't have access to primary healthcare facilities, and uh, the next one is more or less like maybe five kilometers away from the village. So we also uh, run workshops for traditional bed attendants, we call them TBAs. So as we show them that at this point is when you refer the patients to a hospital so that the mother does not lose her life or the child as well in terms of giving birth. So aside from putting in infrastructures, giving commodities in sense of uh, medical drug medications and all of that, we also run trainings in terms of um, hygiene, uh, in terms of uh, birthing, saving lives at birth, we also do trainings for women farmers such that they'll be able to farm sustainably. This came out when we started uh, the WASH program because instead of the runoff water, you know, there's a runoff water from the hand pumps. Instead of that going to waste, we taught them on how to channel this runoff water to a nursery bird so that they'll be able to plant seedlings that they'll be able to sell. In back to the community. So aside from putting the social infrastructure, we also run trainings as well. Samira Farouk from Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, learning about this organization, all they do, and I can tell you this much, Samira, as I get to know you, you are a busy woman. <laughs> you have a lot going on. You have a passion for people and for seeing this progress, and to use your words, for giving back I do want to just ask this question. What is really 
the greatest challenge. And as I hear you talk, I see many challenges, many challenges, and you're meeting them. You're doing something about those every day. Is there something, though, that you, you would say is probably the biggest challenge that you face right now? Adam, to be honest with you, like you said, we have so much that we want to do. We have so many programs, so many projects in line uh, in terms of um, our strategy to making lives better. But our major problems, uh, challenges that we have is funding, is getting the funding to execute these programs. And in overcoming this uh, funding, we do fundraising projects. Fundraising projects are usually done through crowdfunding platforms, through individual personal uh, interactions with our friends and families. We also make, um, with, you know, like as I explained early on, some of the products that the women, the women farmers that we have trained, the seedlings, we help them to sell these products so that we can get enough money. We have an agreement with them. So as we can get, when we give them their capital and the profit, whatever is left, we can use it to at least um, put it in a pool of funds to be able to run another project. And so our big major challenges are getting the funds for these programs. And for us to overcome this, we don't wait. Yes, we also write, uh, if there's a call for proposal, we write uh, our proposals and all of that but we don't wait until when we get a feedback. We do these things, we go on crowdfunding platforms so that we'll be able to raise funds from individuals all over the world, as well as locally, to be able to gather enough funds to do the project. So at any point in time, uh, that's one of the ways we're able to curb the challenges of funding that we have. That's just basically our major challenge, funding. There are other challenges in terms of the environment, because there's a lot of climate uh, issues we're having currently now in Nigeria, which is something that is affecting the aspect of our women farmers in the community. So because the rains just stopped suddenly, and so we have to think of how we're going to look up uh, innovative solutions so that they'll be able to get water to uh, water their siblings. And so that's basically it. There are other challenges as well, but that's majorly the challenges we're having. And I will say to the audience listening through the audio version or watching the video version, if you feel called, and this is always what I say, right, is if you feel called to participate in some way and to come alongside them and encourage them just to, you know, establish a, a relationship with them and then help them out somehow, please do so. I'm going to now put the website up on the screen. This would be a great way to get in touch with them. It's serendipityhealthcare.org.in, serendipityhealthcare.org.in, or you can look for that link, as always, at theedgeofadventure.com. You'll find a link to their information on the post associated with this broadcast, so always be sure to check that out there. Samira, what does serendipity mean? <laughs> I was hoping you asked me that question. Everywhere I go, I tell you, everybody asks me, why is your organization called Serendipity? And my answer every time 
is that um, to me, I know serendipity means a whole lot, but for me, serendipity means peace, uh, serene, being in a serene environment. And so that's how I envision the world. That's how I envisioned the community because that's how I grew up, ser serendipity. So naturally, the name just, I just thought about it. I said, wow, serendipity would be a good name to name the organization. So does anybody that is associated with serendipity finds peace? This is The Edge of Adventure. Samira Farouk is my guest today, founder, CEO at Serendipity Healthcare Foundation. Samira, we can't finish the show, though, without asking you a question that applies to the listener. For the person out there today who has experienced a very painful loss, what do you say to them today? I would say, don't give up. You actually never get over losing a loved one. I tell you because every day I remember my late father and I always go, I wish, I wish, I wish he was still alive. But what I can say, the only way to keep that memory still burning inside of you is to always do something that you know that they'll be proud of. They'll be in heaven and they'll be smiling down at you. And I must tell you, by the time you do that, the blessings would ricochet not only to you, but also the people you serve in any little, in any small enclave you're in, or even in your office or anything, even if you don't run an organization or even amongst your wife and children, you would have blessings coming to you. So what I would say to those people that have lost loved ones like I have done, you can never get over the pain or the hurt. It's always there. I cry sometimes. I said, why did he have to go so early? Why did it happen to me? But then again, I'm consoled at least with serendipity and what I'm doing, my father will be proud of me. So please don't give up. Please have faith and be strong. Thank you. And thank you, Samira Farouk, for being my guest today here on the Edge of Adventure, founder and CEO at Serendipity Healthcare Foundation, joining us today from Kano, Nigeria. Thank you so much, Samira. You are a precious person. You're doing so much great work there for so many people. Thank you for your efforts and thank you for taking the time today to share just a little bit about it here on the Edge of Adventure. Thank you, Adam. I'm grateful. I, I'm happy for what I'm doing. And I want all my late fathers to be proud of me. And I want to change. I want to change my community. I want to change my people. Because growing up, it wasn't like this. And it makes me sad. Thank you, Adam, for having me. And I'm sorry I'm being all emotional. But I thank you. I'm happy to have been here today to share my story. And I'm happy to have heard the story and to be able to share it here through the Edge of Adventure. I know that the message today in your heart 
and your words have blessed many, many people. So thank you for that, Samira. You don't give up either, all right? You just keep pushing forward. I will. I will. <laughs> and it's great to now consider you a friend. And again, for everybody listening and watching, you can get in touch with them, serendipityhealthcare.org.in, serendipityhealthcare.org.in for more information or look them up at theedgeofadventure.com and you'll find all the links there too. Samira, thank you again. God bless you. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Adam. My name is Adam Asher, and you've been listening to the Edge of Adventure podcast. To learn more, log on to theedgeofadventure.com. And while you're there, check out the video series where we go off the grid to discover some of the great things people are doing all around the globe to make the world a better place. I call it my search for adventure and purpose. You'll find us on social media too. Just look for the hashtag, The Edge of Adventure. Thanks for joining us. Always great to have you with us as together we aim to live life for something bigger than ourselves. This is The Edge of Adventure, where we go beyond status quo. Mm -hmm.